Hello friends, welcome back to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast, and today I am talking about the Apostle Paul. Yes, controversial as he is, we are talking about Paul today, and um, what I'm excited about is to just help us try to get some sort of balance and grasp on this really interesting individual uh, that lived 2,000 years ago. Uh, so the origins of why I wanted to talk about Paul is I've been under the radar and under some heat for Paul over the past few years uh, because I've made some comments about Paul. And uh, in one of the episodes I did a couple years ago uh, called Institutional Exodus, uh, I essentially said Paul was full of shit and that had a whole backlash and I had uh, phone calls from people um, back in the Midwest and people are like, hey man, like, are you... Uh, on a slippery slope here. I mean, don't you know about sola scriptura? Don't you know that all scripture is God breathed and Paul wrote a whole bunch of the New Testament. So therefore he's been anointed by God and all that. And I'm like, listen, if we can't talk honestly about actual human beings that lived in a time and place and space, you know, and if we can't be honest about like our frustrations with some of the literature that they've written, uh, then, you know, I think we're in a dangerous place uh, for, you know, really um, in a vulnerable place um, to be essentially, this is a strong term, but brainwashed. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about my thoughts on Paul, who he was, and how I've gained some sort of balance that I actually have full circle come to appreciate Paul over the past couple of years. So the origins of this conversation for like recording it today is yesterday I reported, recorded a podcast um, with a fantastic lady named Amelia. Uh, she's on Instagram as the Stoked Yogi, has the Totally Stoked podcast. She's actually right here in Oceanside. And uh, so we were talking in that podcast episode a little bit about Paul and I was kind of riffing on some, uh, some of my thoughts about Paul that I've not riffed on in a little while. And then this morning, uh, just like an hour ago, I was recording a podcast with Justin Foster. If you follow Foster Thinking on Instagram, uh, I was recording a podcast with him and we were both kind of riffing about Paul too. And so I thought, you know, this would be an awesome opportunity for me to just share a couple thoughts that I have about this very controversial individual named Paul or Saul of Tarsus. And so for those of you that maybe aren't as familiar with the Bible or aren't familiar with Paul and what he did. Um, Paul really gave any um, organization and institution to what would become the Christian religion. Um, so Jesus, he comes on the scene. Jesus has, uh, he's an you know, itinerant preacher throughout the region of Galilee where he's just going around, uh, as tradition tells us, preaching, teaching, and healing um, the sick and really doing a lot of pure social justice work. Um, there was a, uh, an immense, uh, you know, bit of tax, <laughs> like as much as 90% in some regions uh, from the Roman government uh, that the Roman Empire was habiting Israel at the time. Jesus comes on the scene as one of many messiahs. If you hear that dog barking, I'm sorry. It's wildly annoying, I know. But hopefully you won't hear it as much as I do out of these windows. But um, Jesus comes on the scene in a very, you know, term, tumultuous time uh, in the ancient Near East. And he was one of many actually proclaimed messiahs. 
Actually, Jesus never proclaimed to be the Messiah. About 10 Messiahs prior than him actually claimed to be the Messiah within about a 150 year period of time, all of which were killed, many of which were actually crucified as well. Um, but none were as unique as Jesus uh, because ultimately every single one of those other messiahs resulted in some sort of political revolt and gathering of an army as the actual Jewish messiah that they've been awaiting for was going to do. The actual messiah anointed one Christ that the Jews were waiting for was one who would be political in power and in nature and would overthrow the oppressive government that was the Roman Empire. All these other messiahs tried to do that and failed. Um, so they ended up getting crucified because they were enemies of the state. Crucifixion was a Roman uh, point of death. Uh, if you were a Hebrew or a Jew, the Romans would kill you by beheading. Uh, so that was the difference there. So if you were crucified, that means you were an enemy of the state. Uh, so why Jesus was crucified and not um, beheaded shows that Rome had a big issue uh, with Jesus, as well as the, uh, it shows how in bed religion and politics were in that day. Uh, it's great that we don't have that anymore, right? Religion and politics don't, don't go hand in hand. Anyways, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what was happening. The Jews and the, uh, the Romans were working together and conspiring, um, for mass corruption. And so Jesus, uh, showed his calling out of that and was put to death by a Roman way of persecution and um, death. So I tell you that to tell you that Jesus comes on the scene as one of many messiahs that had, had come. People appropriated the term messiah to Jesus. Even if you see where he asks Peter or he asks the group, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah, and Jesus affirms him, but Jesus never self-proclaims that, although it seems he definitely thought that he was by affirming Peter's statement. Anyways, this episode's about Paul. Why am I telling you about all this? I'm telling you about all this because it's peculiar that Jesus came on the scene really not to start a new religion at all. What the Messiah was to do was not to start a new religion, wasn't to start Christianity. Christ just means Messiah, which Messiah means anointed one. Anointed means something that is other than or separate or unique from. So that's when we're talking about the Christ or the Messiah, we're just talking about an individual that came to do something that was going to shake things up, that was out of the ordinary, that would completely um, be a new sort of life or in a new kingdom, if you will, and freedom and liberation in a new way of living and being. That was Jesus's mission. And so he comes on the scene and does these things, doesn't even self-proclaim to be a Messiah. And what's interesting about Jesus is that he does not come, like I said, to start a new religion. He's coming to purify his own religion. He's coming to purify even more so than his own religion, his own race, the Hebrew people, to have them understand this relationship with the divine that is inherent to them and to all people available to anyone and everyone, that the divine is in each and every one of us and that the Christ in us is there and that we just have to know that, work through that, enable the Christ that is within each one of us. And so Jesus was the predominant Christ, the outward Christ, the, he adopted, well, tradition has adopted him to be Jesus the Christ. It's not his last name. 
And so he comes not to start a new religion or a new institution or a new organization, but to purify his own that he was born into and that he lived in and was a rabbi. People called Jesus rabbi. That means teacher. He responded to that term, accepted that term, and was that in the Jewish religion. He was a Jewish rabbi. Didn't write down anything. He didn't write a book. He didn't make any sort of notes. He didn't have people come to the book club and sign up and subscribe to his podcast. He just simply preached and teached and did stuff and then ultimately died at the hand of the government. Now, fast forward a few years and we have this character called Paul or rather Saul. And so Saul comes on the scene who was a Pharisee himself and who was imprisoning people who were following the way. That's what early Christianity was called, simply the way. Maybe a little nod to Taoism and Lao Tzu and all those brilliant thinkers of the East. And so it's just this new way of living and being in the Christ. Paul comes along, was persecuting people who are following this new denomination of Judaism And as he was persecuting them because they were deviating from the original tradition, so he thought, of the Jewish people, this purification uh, denomination, he thought that purification way was wrong and against the system, therefore was imprisoning. And people say killing other Christians. I think people put a little too emphasis on that. I don't really see that in some of the original renderings, but whatever. That's another Greek uh, lesson uh, on another day. He was really an asshole uh, to Christians. Let's just put it that way. Um, As a matter of fact, it's around where he was coming into power that that term Christian was derogatory towards people who were following this new Judaism, Judaic denomination, rather. So people were following this new Judaic denomination. Paul was persecuting them. And then Paul had a mystical experience on his way to another town to put more people of this new denomination of Judaism in jail. And he had this mystical transcendent experience where he was riding his horse and the sun became blindingly bright, knocked him off of his horse, and he heard an audible voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked who who it was, who are you, Lord? And a lot of Christians say, see, he already knew that Jesus was Lord. No, that's just, if you watch Game of Thrones, you know, everybody's called Lord. Okay. (laughs) So he said, who are you, Lord? There was obviously some sort of authority. So he just attributed the title of Lord to whatever this authoritative being was. And he said, I'm Jesus. And so he has this mystical experience that, mind you, none of the others that were riding with him saw or witnessed. They just saw this man fall off a horse and talking to himself. Uh, He had this unique uh, fifth dimension experience, if you will, uh, kind of like a, um, you know, uh, a thrust into a forced Kundalini awakening. I don't know. Some sort of bizarre thing happened on that road where he was blinded. He had to be taken to, uh, the nearby city of Damascus. And, uh, then the one that came who they received a vision, a unique transcendent out of unique science and time, whatever, uh, we're living in matrix, uh, they received something that they needed to go vision to go see this Paul. And they were scared because they're like, yeah, he's going to just take me and put me right in jail. Paul didn't do that. And Paul through this follower of the way begins to become awakened to this way being true for him. 
And so I, I think it's interesting to know about Paul, if we're just talking about him for a minute, that the origins of Paul's whole new life uh, is rooted in a mystical experience. Paul did not study the scriptures and do spend six years uh, out in the wilderness just trying to understand how this Jesus could be the true Messiah and then come around to that conclusion and then have a mystical experience. Rather, he first had a mystical transcendent experience that then drove him for six years to study the scriptures and see this Messiah uh, that people were attributing to be Jesus. And so I think that's interesting because for me, that's how a lot of it is in our lives. Like we can study, we can think about God, we can read through the scriptures, we can read through Paul's letters, but until we have some sort of experience with the divine, I will argue that we aren't really going to have a real true transformation. And so Paul had a real true transformation first and foremost with a unique divine transcendent experience that was out of something other than the material physicality of this world. And that changed him. That absolutely rerouted his life that then he would begin to follow this unique, bizarre denomination that already had some leaders set up, you know, and Peter and and all those, those folks down in Jerusalem. And so what's interesting is that Paul had this mystical experience first, then he used his head knowledge to try to make sense of it all. So Paul has this bizarre experience and the reality is Paul is still trying to work out his life. He's a human being. He's trying to figure out, you know, what this all means in this new sort of denomination. And Paul draws some conclusions and eventually presents them and collaborates with those who were actually with Jesus, Peter and John. And he ultimately begins to, I think without knowing, start a completely new institution and organization that we now call Christianity. Something that the original, the the originator of this Jesus didn't even set out to do, but rather the second generation came to do that. And by no small means, Paul was the culprit, I think, even more so than Peter or John or anyone else. And my reasoning for that is I think Paul was still working out his Pharisee-ness. Like Paul had this very institutional understanding of God. And if there was going to be any new revelation, any new um, way of being in the world, it would have to be encapsulated in some form of institution or organization. And so that's where you see Paul really focusing in on like, hey, you know, women don't cut your hair, men, you should, women don't wear makeup, you can't speak in church, and then giving his opinion about things, this is not the Lord, but I give you this, and you know, there's all of these rules and regulations and stipulations that he's putting on the early formation of these churches that he's literally going around and starting, he's creating a movement and carrying on a movement based on the work of Jesus and the revelation and mystical experience that he had. Now, it should be noted uh, that Paul in this is having continued mystical experiences and absolutely record-breaking revolutionary uh, understandings of who God is. Like he says that, look, 
I can do all these things in the world. I can do all these amazing, beautiful stuff. But if I don't have love, I'm just like a, a annoying symbol. And I'm a drummer. And I can tell you when somebody sits behind a drum set that doesn't know how to play, it's freaking annoying. <laughs> and Paul says it's like that. If you don't have love in every avenue of every aspect of your life, everything else you do is null and void and even annoying. And you have to have love implanted within you and permeating from you as evidence that the divine is at work in your life, that Christ in you, or that's another one, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul's affirming that the Christ, the anointed one, is us. It's in each of us. And we're awakening to that. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He says, if the Spirit of God is within you, then you will lead a life of love, of joy, of patience, of peace, of kindness, of gentleness, of self-control, and forbearance, and all these other weird, you know, words that we, you know, have to translate. And the point is, Paul has these amazing revelations simultaneously while being still a Pharisee in many ways. And so I think what is unique for me with the Apostle Paul is I think we have to call bullshit on some of Paul's work in order to embrace Paul's amazing, beautiful, good work. Because that's just like with any of us all the time. In our own life, if we don't embrace the illusion and the ego and the bullshit in ourself, we cannot come to an awareness and an acknowledgement of our true identity and power and true self and meaning and purpose. So I think when we approach the Apostle Paul, when we look at the Apostle Paul, we can say that this was a Pharisee who had a transcendent mystical experience and spent the rest of his life trying to work that out. And for me, whenever I can hold those two in balance, when I can truly grasp those together, I can approach Paul's letters in a way that can actually be beneficial to myself and my life, knowing the humanity of this man named Paul. So those are just a few thoughts that I have about Paul. And so I want to encourage you, if you're going to jump back into read Paul, first of all, like tread lightly because you'll probably get triggered pretty quickly. I tried to read first Corinthians and it was all great until I got to the fifth chapter where he was like ranting and raving about excommunicating people from the church. And I'm like, not into that. You know, maybe that worked for you, Paul, 2000 years ago. That doesn't work for me today in 2019. And I would say this, that the spirit of God transcends all literary work. It transcends all time. It transcends all nations and races and beings and dialects and all things. That it, as Paul said, that the spirit of God is over all, in all, and through all, to all. I think I'm doing my own Luke Bricker version of that, but go with it here. That he's saying that it's overall in all and through all. And I truly believe that when we approach the scripture or anything in our life, if the spirit of truth is in us, if the Christ is truly in us, then we are able to be led into all further truth. And so I don't need Paul, but I appreciate Paul and I want Paul's perspective and thought. We don't need anyone, but it's nice to have people who can help guide and show us true understandings based on their perspectives, paradigms, and experiences. And so the Apostle Paul 
There's so much more that could be said, uh, but to make this nice, short, and concise and only 20 minutes long, um, I really believe that embracing all facets of the humanity of this individual will help us be able to drink deeply from his more profound revelations of experience and even mysticism, and then even be able to give pardon and forgiveness for some of the Pharisee, you know, Pharisee ideas that he was still working through in his organization of essentially what would become a new religion. So that's a couple cents on Paul. Uh, let me know uh, what you think about Paul. Let me know if there's anything else you would like for me to talk about about Paul, um, because there's a lot more I could. But uh, how does this help you? Uh, if you could uh, follow me on Instagram, The Spiritual Nomad, send me a DM. Um, has this shifted your ideas about Paul in any way? Has this helped or hurt <laughs> your thoughts about the man, Paul of Tarsus? And one last note. Fun fact about Paul, people say that his name was Saul, and then after his conversion, he became Paul, and that like there was like a name change and an identity change. I hate to break it to you guys, little fun fact, that's actually not true. Paul is the way that you would write and pronounce his name in a Hebrew setting. Saul would just be the Greek rendering of that. So Paul never changed his name. We don't find that in the scripture at all. It's just rather, you know, it's the difference between... Is it Jesus, you know, or is it Joshua? Because Jesus and Joshua are the same names. Paul and Saul are the same names. Just are you talking to Hebrews or are you talking to Greeks? Little fun fact there. Let me know what you thought about this episode and let me know some other things that you'd like for me to rant and rave about whenever it comes to the Bible and, uh, you know, stuff that I've kind of grown past, but yet revisiting and appreciate. In a weird spot, paradox. That's life. All right, guys. Have a great day and uh, subscribe and we'll see you next time.